0: What's up, everybody? Standing Green here, my co host Harrison Sanford, brought to you by Jack in the Box. We are inside the green room. Uh, lucky enough and very honored to be joined by one of my favorite people in the world and one of the best coaches I've ever had in my life, uh, Coach Roy Williams. Uh, thanks for joining us, Coach. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, this is amazing. I know it's weird times, unprecedented times, and we still have a busy schedule regardless, but really appreciate you jumping in and, and taking your time out to uh, give us some of your, your great stories. <laughs> Danny, I appreciate you having me, but you don't have to say nice things. I, you have no more eligibility. I can't give you extra minutes or anything like that. But I appreciate what you're saying. I wish I, I wish I still had some eligibility. I, I would definitely love to go back and play, uh, especially for you and the university. Uh, some of the best times of my life, obviously growing up and becoming an adult, um, mm-hmm. still some great things in, in, in me and being a professional. Uh well, I tell you one thing that. Uh, how about this, Danny? so many times I kept telling you
1: guys that the NBA you have dreams and it's fantastic on the first and the 15th. If they still pay you (laughs) twice a month, I don't know. But other than that, you'd
0: all, at the end, you'd all still say you enjoyed college basketball more. Oh man. Yeah. And now you get to see, you don't really understand or appreciate it until later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But and the guys that I never got a chance to experience college basketball because I left straight out of high school. They always ask about it and they wonder, you know, how it was like. So, You know, they kind of envy us in that sense, a little jealous of us uh, on those terms. So that's Mm the one thing that I have over some of those guys, like like LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) But
2: coach, Coach, we've been able to uh, speak with James Worthy, Kenny Smith. Delighted to have you on, and there's a number of topics that we would like to discuss uh, in terms of how uh, things have been impacted there at Chapel Hill by COVID nineteen. We would love to talk about. Cole Anthony and what you think about he might, what you think he might do at the next level in the NBA, as my headphones go to the side there. Um, But I also would love to know, uh, as we love to know your involvement uh, with The Last Dance as well. But before we get to all those topics, first things first, how is COVID-19 impacting the community there at Chapel Hill?
1: Well, Harrison, it's really crazy because uh, no school, number one. The buildings are closed. The gym is closed. The Smith center, nobody can go down and play in the Smith center. It's almost like a ghost town. Once you go up on campus, uh, my wife's uh, mom and dad are relatively old are old ones 88 and granddaddy's 96. And so we're spending a lot of time up in the mountains to be a little closer to them. We're only about 20 minutes away. Uh, I go back to Chapel Hill every Sunday night and do a zoom with my team. And then, uh, stay Monday and check my mail and do some things. Today, I had six, I think, PSAs doing for the people in the state. But campus itself is almost like a ghost town. And the tough thing is we just finished, or as a matter of fact, today and tomorrow, the last two days of final exams. So all of my guys have been taking their classes online. And it's really unusual for me, uh, to say the least, because spring is always a big time recruiting-wise. And we can't go out recruiting. Uh, we can't see our players every day. I don't go in and ask them how they're doing in math or anything because it's, uh, it really is, uh, very, very unusual. The community itself is a very educated and probably lean toward the liberal side. So everybody's trying to do a great job of their social distancing and trying to listen to the, uh, scientists and medical people, not the, uh, dumb politicians. <laughs>
0: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, Considering the fact that you said there is no school, but guys are still having to do online classes, correct, Yes. and I'm sure we have a big shout out to Wayne Walden, who's no longer there, who's my guidance counselor. You have somebody checking up on them and doing some zoom meetings or business study hall, maybe, or just making sure that they're getting their classes right and how do you how do you, how do they monitor that? How does the new the guidance counselors monitor that
1: yeah, well Jen Townsend's ahead of the academic stuff now, and she really keeps. Uh, really on tab with each of the guys every day. And Danny, this uh, last four or five years, after you left, uh, one or two years, we did some had some guys that didn't pay enough attention to it. And so what I did is everybody on staff, I gave them two or three or four players. So now, like Eric Hoots will be talking to his two or three guys every day. Coach Rob will be talking to his guys. Coach Davis will be talking to his guys. So it's a little bit of overlap between Jen Townsend and each coach and talk to the guys every day. And I've been scared to death because I was afraid that they would take it lightly or not do as good a job. Uh, and I went over last night and you'll remember this, because uh, I used to do it to you. I, uh, close to the end of the exam period, I would always say, okay, tell me what you guess you are going to make. And <laughs> But did yeah. that last night on the Zoom call with every player and made them do it out loud in front of their teammates. <laughs> and then, uh, I always say if a guy tells me he's going to make a B, I really think he's going to make a C. If he says a C, I think he's going to make a D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last night we had Jen Townsend on the call as well, and I told her if somebody says something outlandish, just raise your eyebrows or do something <laughs> like that. And I <laughs> said I'll question them. Uh, but they really did a nice job, and uh, unless we have some surprises, the guys really did take it very seriously because it appears they're doing a very good job academically.
0: Yeah, that's tough, man. And big shout-out to the seniors. I feel bad for them uh, not having to be able to finish out the season that we wanted to or do the tournaments and graduate. Everybody's doing virtual grad- graduations now, um, you know, which is not the most fortunate situation. Um, when you think about it, Danny, think about some
1: of the things that, as a senior that you really enjoyed. Yeah. You really enjoyed the banquet. You really – well, you enjoyed winning the national championship. Yeah. Go, there, go there first. <laughs> Uh, finishing the season on such a positive note. You enjoyed the banquet. Uh, you enjoyed being able to graduate. You enjoyed barnstorming. And uh, none of the – we didn't – any of our guys didn't do any of those things. Yeah, barnstorming was huge for us. And mm-hmm.
0: so just the small things you didn't think you would would like, just the walking and having the cap and gown, being with your teammates and being mm-hmm. around your fellow students and being able to graduate and, you know, you know, hold your diploma, your degree in your hand and just, you know, take pictures with your family, That those things – You forever remember and having your house kind of like prom which is not important but those (laughs) things are a lot more important
1: and um, I'll tell you this Danny that in my office right now and I describe it this way anytime anybody's visiting whether it's a recruit for us or recruit from somebody else or a visitor or a donor I say this is what you call a good year (laughs) and I show them the picture of you guys in the 2009 class, we had eight seniors, and all eight graduated and won a national championship. So that's what you call a great year. That, that was a heck of a year. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's, that's a heck of a, way, heck of a way to go out. There's, yeah. And there's a, a bunch more of our UNC topics that we'd love to discuss. Uh, before we dive deeper into that, Coach, uh, you're involved in the Last Dance documentary. Everybody in the sports world is watching. Before we get into more details, can you tell us about your involvement? How did it come about? How much time did you actually spend interviewing? And was there any stories that you wanted to tell or told that you felt should have made airtime that weren't able to?
1: You know, it's uh, it was about a year ago, and uh, Harrison, when they called me about it, they went through our sports information director, and I said, "Let me talk to them myself." And they told me what it was, and uh, I said, "Okay." And they told me Michael had agreed, and all this kind of stuff, but. Uh, uh, just being the person I am, I said, okay. I said, let me think about it. And I got (laughs) on the phone and called Michael uh, because I wasn't going to be involved in anything that he uh, was not, not only okay with it, but that he was solidly behind. And so when I talked to him and he said, no coach, we'd love to have you involved. And uh, so it was about a year ago. uh, I think it was in the spring uh, when we did it. And uh, I interviewed with them for, probably two or three hours and we went over many many things and uh some of the things that they used uh, the first uh, two episodes uh, uh are things that I really enjoyed telling them like Danny heard this this year's team heard this that uh, uh there's only one player I've ever known that could turn it on and off and he never freaking turned it off
0: <laughs> and
1: so they were several of those things but uh, uh and even uh Uh, Last night, because I've watched every one of them, and I'm almost mesmerized uh, because I was involved. And uh, I still remember when Michael, his second year, when he was hurt and he came back and played pickup. We thought it was okay, and then we found out (laughs) that they didn't want him to do that. And, uh, you know, so uh, there were so many things. And even last night's episode, they showed uh, uh, and had a great deal to talk about the original Dream Team. And I was fortunate enough to uh be involved in that because I coached uh, eight college kids uh that we scrimmaged against the dream team every day. And I did tell the story about uh, the first day we scrimmaged, we beat them fifty-eight fifty-three. And Grand Hill swears up and down he has the uh the tape. Uh, <laughs> I think we called it film then. But uh uh so uh they didn't bring that one up, but it was funny because uh Walking through the lobby of the hotel, and somebody's trying to stop him. And you see, he's got his golf clubs, and then all of a sudden, you can see me over there. And because we went to play golf two straight afternoons there, and uh, one of my assistant coaches, Hubert Davis, his wife, Leslie, saw it in some way, which I, I can't do anything. <laughs> she stopped it and took the picture and sent it to Wanda, but uh, it was the best. Uh, golf group i've ever had the first day we played it was me and michael jordan john stockton david robinson and charles barkley wow so that was a pretty good group but uh <laughs> i know so it was uh it was fun doing it but what i did uh, no question about it before i agreed to do it i checked with michael
0: wow that's it's, a the golf stories man i can imagine how those courses and the, those competitions went uh, that just reminded me of anything uh, uh, i was going to uh, tell you
1: a quick thing danny is that you know charles Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Yeah. He was pestering David Robinson for 17 holes to bet, and David wouldn't bet. So finally, on the 18th hole, David said, Okay, he said, I'll play this hole for five dollars. Now, the rest of us were playing for a little bit more than that, but yeah, that started screaming on the tee, Hey, everybody, David Robinson's gambling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man (laughs) it was fun man back to the 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 last dance a lot of people and i've seen in gone viral they said you have the best sound bites throughout the whole um series um you had some like your sound bites are the best ones and we got a chance to discuss it with kenny and and james Uh, we want to go back i want to go back to anyway when when mike michael came to his his recruiting visit um James Worthy gave us a story about it. I want to know what you remember o- about it and your take on how he came on campus and how he acted and his personality when he-, when he, walked through those hallways at Granville and, and played pickup. Okay. So, you, uh, yeah, we'll play something for me or are you going to, do you have, do you have James's thing? We don't have James's thing. Oh,
2: Oh, no. I can I could give you a I can give you a brief
0: rundown. We'll run give down, you a brief. Uh, okay. go give a brief <laughs> rundown. <laughs>
2: so so essentially, uh, James said that MJ came onto campus. This is after he started. He was already being recruited. He's one of the two freshmen at the time, I believe. And apparently, MJ was walking through the halls of Granville saying, "Where's James Worthy? Where's Jimmy Black?" and yeah. <laughs> just looking for them to let them know that he's on campus. And uh, like, and-
0: like he owned the campus, basically. And he, <laughs> he was he was looking for the top dogs to attack and see who's positioned. Oh, this is going to look nice. This is going to be my room here. This is where I'm going to live. Oh, this is going to be my build. I'm going to take this over. He said he came in not a very shy, you know, freshman, like most guys introduce themselves. He came in very confident and cocky and a little bit arrogant when he first came to campus and was trying to go at those guys as soon as he got there.
1: That wouldn't surprise me, but at the same time, uh, Michael had his – when I was talking about savvy, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Michael had tremendous savvy too. Now, he may say something like that to Jimmy, just to tease Jimmy, but he wouldn't have
0: pushed too hard with Big James. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't going to go there. <laughs> yeah. James said he had some great stories, especially throughout the years when he got to the NBA. Um, Harris-
1: James is great. I was fortunate enough to recruit him too.
0: Wow. Coach, uh, what,
2: speaking of James, and obviously we're talking about MJ as well, what do you remember from that huddle in 1982 going into – in the championship game? Obviously, we know what happened, but you were in the huddle. Can you take us inside uh, what happened at that moment in time?
1: I can remember it like it was last night, <laughs> and, and I'm very serious. Uh, the entire year, I thought we were the best team in the country, and I thought we were going to win the national championship, and it was going to be Coach Smith's first national championship. There was nobody that I thought was anywhere close to as good as we were. And <clears throat> we had lost one game when Sam Perkins was sick <coughs> and one other game, I think. But, uh, so we're playing and, <clears throat> excuse me, just it's not any sickness again. <laughs> yes, no, it's worries. Okay. It's okay. Go no
2: worries. I got, I got I mean, my drink here too. Right
1: <laughs> Mine's right zero. So I'm real good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of a sudden, Coach Smith calls timeout with 31 seconds to go. And the team's coming over to the bench. And the look on our guys' faces just alarmed me. I thought, oh, my gosh. I didn't hmm. like the look on their face at all. And it sort of dawned on me at that moment <coughs> Excuse me, hmm. that, uh, gosh, we could possibly lose this game. And I had never thought that, never the whole year. I just knew that we were going to win the whole thing. And so the players sit down, and we kneel down in front of them and like we do now. And Coach Smith looked up at them and said, okay, guys, we're in great shape. We're going to determine who wins this game. And we're exactly where we want to be. And I'll admit, now, I've been coughing seriously. But now at that time, I went (laughs) and sort of leaned over to the side so I could look at the scoreboard. <laughs> down <laughs> and Coach Smith was being so positive, I thought maybe I saw the scoreboard wrong, so I could, the call so I could turn that way and then cough. But sure enough, it said that Georgetown had one more point than we did. And he kept going. He said, We're going to run lineup. Uh, to I doubt if they'll be pressed and they'll probably be playing his own. So said, Let's run two and look for the lob. And James, you'll be going for the lob, and let's look for that. And if we don't get that, let's penetrate and go on the weak side. And he says, uh, you know, when you get the shot, James, after if you don't get the lob, make sure you get weak side rebound position. Sam, you'll be coming from the middle from the foul line down. You get middle rebound position. And even if we miss the shot, we'll get the rebound. And if they happen to get the rebound, we're going to foul them immediately. And there's no way that they're going to make a free throw in this circumstance, in this situation and all of a sudden everybody's expression just changed uh, dramatically and as we as they left the huddle coach Smith patted Michael on the uh, the back and said Michael if you knock it in and he was the one that we knew that if we didn't throw the lob and we came on the backside, it would be to Michael and sure enough we ran lineup they didn't press we go in they are in the zone uh, we tried to uh, look for James on the lob and he didn't get didn't you see Jimmy Black penetrate and pitch it over to the weak side? And Michael had – because they were so concerned about James going for the lob, they had probably sagged in a little bit too much, and Michael got the jump shot. And then, it, and needless to say, he made the jump shot, and then we go down to court, and some way, somehow, Freddie Brown threw the ball to James Worthy, and it was <laughs> the most unusual thing. And, I, and Harrison, I still use that uh, today when I'm talking to coaches about being positive – And and understanding that you're giving guys confidence can be crucial to you. In 2009, when Danny was on our team, uh, we didn't have many close games. We won each one of the six games in the NCAA tournament by 12 points or more. But I remember in the LSU game, uh, in the first half, we were not playing well. And I decided to try to jar them a little bit. And I said, guys, come on, we can play better. But if we don't, it's been a great year. And everybody sort of set up at the end because I was trying to get a rise out of them. And uh, I said, now, we've got a great chance. We're going to play better. And then at halftime, uh, we talked about playing better. And in the second half, uh, Ty Lawson was really impressive. And and we did a great job and won the whole thing. But in clinics, I still talk about that huddle and that timeout uh, when I'm talking to coaches.
0: All right. All right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries or two tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive through or delivery. Is there a moment where you saw Mike Michael turning a turning point to where you saw him just because obviously his habits, and his personality. Also in his game that said to you that he could be the greatest player of all time.
1: You know, Danny, the first time I saw him, I did make this statement and it was everybody – Eddie remembers it and other people. I just, he came to our camp because we tried, – I tried to call – I called his high school coach and tried to get him to come to camp because we had gotten a call from the athletic director at Hanover County Schools telling us there was this player named Mike Jordan that may have a chance. And so I was calling around trying to get the better players in the state to come. And so the first day in camp on Sunday afternoon – uh, I had him down in Carmichael playing, and uh, I went back and told Eddie Fogler, the other assistant at that time, that I think I just saw the best six-foot, four-inch high school player I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I did really believe that, and we thought he was the best player in the, com- in the country over the next three months four months before we got into sign. But nobody ever thought that there's no way that anybody saw what Michael was going to become. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anybody says, oh, yeah, I knew that's what was going <laughs> they're not telling the truth. I mean, Coach Smith, when he was – he would agree with me right there. His freshman year, he was six, four and a half, and uh, got better, wanted to get better. I mean, he was so eager. I mean, he really was to learn. And he, uh, uh, beca- he was the defensive player of the game award in the national championship game against Georgetown, and it was the first time all year that he won that so he had gotten better and better defensively and then as a sophomore then it was a different animal then uh that he was his game was at a different level and then as a junior uh it was just off the charts too but uh, no no one saw uh what he became but everybody saw this extremely gifted player who also had a tremendous competitive edge to him which he did not have as much in high school. I mean, his high school team lost seven games his last year and didn't make the state playoffs. And mm. so he changed dramatically. And then, as I said, as sophomore, it was a different deal because he came back and he was six six, okay. and he was six six instead of six four and a half. His vertical jump was higher. He was faster. He was quicker. His forty-yard dash time, Danny, went down dramatically. He was like four five. As a freshman, which was good. Yeah. <laughs> so for uh, Mark Davis, Coach Bill Guthridge, and myself, we're timing. And, and he goes by and I clicked and I looked and I didn't like what I saw. I said, <laughs> Coach Guthridge, I said, What did you get? He said, Wow. He said, Mark, what did you get? And Mark Davis, I got 439. And Coach Guthridge said, I got 437. And I said, I got 438. And we're not professional timers now, but yeah. and so what I did, I said, Michael, there's something wrong with the watches. We need you, to, we need you to do it again. We didn't tell him the time, and you know what he said. I remember it like his yesterday. He said, "Oh, a lot faster than you expected," huh? <laughs> and so he goes back down, and three of us timed him again, and all of us had it under four four. In fact, I had it four three six, wow. and so but he's an inch and a half taller and faster, and just a,
2: a different animal then. Wow. Yeah, the Jordan stories continue, continue to amaze. Uh, and obviously with his popularity and his popularity almost rising again with this documentary coach, I'm wondering with it also being what used to be recruiting season around this time, uh, has there been a, a player that you're recruiting or that, would, that you would like to recruit or you think might get a little ambitious and knowing your ties to Jordan may have asked for... Maybe a call to Jordan, you, know, that you could play the middleman. Have you ever have you ever lobbed that up for a recruit? A little access to to the goat himself.
1: Well, you know, when I was an assistant at North Carolina at that time, uh, your own players could call kids. And uh, but I, when I was an assistant, I never would have uh, never would give the prospect Michael's number. I would say, you know, if and I remember having the uh, Bradford Smith. Um, I had Michael talk to him and James Worthy talk to him, and we didn't get the kids, so I said, that's enough of that. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to waste those guys' time. Uh, but, uh, no, you know, everybody sort of starts leaning in when I start saying something about Michael because he is bigger than life. And uh, he's, he's been a hero of mine many, many times, but I called and left him a message this morning and it was to tell him that he was now my favorite hero because we did not have a very good year this year we were 14 and 19 the first losing season we had ever had as a staff and i left a message for michael saying i love you even more now because because of last dance I mean, I've been on Dan Patrick, Colin Coward, (laughs) and and nobody's asking me about 14 and 19. He's he's my hero right now for sure. And uh, so I expect I'll get a message from him tomorrow sometime, but uh, he's an unusual person
0: who treats me exactly the same way now as he did 40 years ago. And I love the fact that all the viewership is going to charities, which is, which is big. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you know, that's amazing. And he, like you said, he is bigger than the game, bigger than life. And he was a big reason why myself, as many others, you know, went to the University of Carolina. Obviously, love the colors, love the school, love yeah. you, Coach. But Mike, obviously, you, he was a, a childhood hero of mine. And then he's a big reason why a lot of people lean in and, and want to go to the University of Carolina.
1: I'll tell you one funny thing. Guess who visited the same weekend? Patrick Ewing. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> That was okay, we're good. here for that. <laughs> okay. and this is the funny one, is that because Michael, uh, you know, James might have exaggerated a little bit because Michael would talk, but Michael wasn't going to say much to James, okay? okay. <laughs> but so Patrick and Michael, I'm taking them to the football game. So they had met with Coach Smith that morning, and so I took them down to the locker room to do something, and then we're walking through – at that time we played in Carmichael, and we're walking through Carmichael, and there's a ball there, and so – uh Michael got the ball and he's picking at Patrick and he's bouncing into him, shooting it, and he's yapping him because Michael always could talk. And uh, I said, guys, just three or four moments, then we got to go to the football game. And so Michael's still picking at Patrick. And so Patrick got the ball and didn't say anything and backed him down once and backed him down twice and then just went up and almost broke the backboard. And Michael said, Coach, I'm ready to go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he had enough. He had picked on Patrick enough, and that, yeah. that was enough.
0: Patrick, back in his young days, man, very athletic. He was a dominant, mm-hmm. dominant player. They don't they get a chance to show him much, maybe later on in the series, but they don't get a chance to show him much uh, how big of an I said, that Knicks-Bulls series. And obviously, we are having at Georgetown, too. I think he yeah. kind of – their relationship, I think, was a big key in both of their growth. Um, mm-hmm. as players in college and also in the league, but it was, it was in, fact, Danny, in ninety
1: ninety two. I was told you about us working with those college kids against the dream team. So we show up and in, in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, there was a message left for me and it was Michael. It said, I'm in room so-and-so come on up. And so I go up to Michael's room and there's a little balcony. And so we we're sitting outside. It's San Diego. It's beautiful. It's, uh, it's June, I think. Yeah. And, uh, So all of a sudden somebody opens the door uh, uh, one floor above us and he leans out and it's Patrick. And so Michael yapped at him and said, Martin. (laughs) And then he said, how you doing? And Patrick said, pouting. Because they had had beaten them in 92 in that that game. And so Patrick said, I'm still pouting. But, uh, no. Patrick is uh, at Georgetown as a head coach now and is just a phenomenal person himself.
2: Coach, you know, speaking of recruits, and you were talking about MJ and, and Patrick, what type of – what can players do, the ones that want to go to a school like UNC, what can they do in a time like this where they're not having group practices, getting instruction from coaches in person is pretty much frowned upon right now. You should only really be with your close family. How do they continue to improve uh, their candidacy to be a player at UNC?
0: To be recruited?
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's It's been unusual right now. I mean, I've uh, – uh, I think I've made two offers this spring uh, for next year. These kids are just finishing their junior year, and I've only seen them on tape. And in the previous 31 years as a head coach, I've only done that one time in the previous 31 years. So getting tape on a kid, and and I, I want to see a game. I don't want to see a highlight tape. I mean, I looked good. One of my Uh, teammates, his dad made a highlight film of me a hundred years ago. So I was pretty good on that. I don't, I don't (laughs) want to see a highlight tape. I want to see true game action, but uh, uh, that's the biggest thing that's going on right now is uh, you're, you're seeing more kids uh, tape of their games and sometimes the people or the coaches will send you the highlights tape. But if that looks so good, I want to see a little bit more, but you're doing that and you're talking to a lot of kids because uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to go out in July, uh, but uh, uh, I'm not so sure that we're going to be able to. But we're hoping to. Yeah, a lot yeah,
0: of that- things gonna change. A lot yeah. of things gonna change in July, especially if everything's pushed back.
1: Harrison, can I tell you one funny story about Danny? <laughs> oh,
2: I, I, I have some questions about Danny too. So if we can get this started, yes, please.
1: Okay, so we go to Vegas and I had been recruiting Danny a little bit already. I'd been to New York and been to school. And uh, so he's playing in Vegas. And for 20 years, I've taken some of my high school buddies and that I played baseball with one guy, played basketball against (laughs) my high school coach. I take these four or five or six guys. I've got the oldest posse in the world. (laughs) And so we go watch Danny play. And, uh, so there's six of us. So as we're going to the car, we're leaving, I get in front and put my head down and go through the crowd as fast as I can. And it's single file. These guys are following me back to the car. And later the story came out because one guy told on the other two, Because <laughs> one guy said, gosh, I hope Roy doesn't offer that green kid. I don't think <laughs> he's good enough. And the, the other guy says, I agree with you, but I'm not going to say anything to Roy. So then, fast forward, Danny comes and plays for us and is just does a great job and has a great career. So, his senior year, we win the national championship. And so that summer, we go back to Vegas. And there was a new guy with us, and he said something about, Do you listen to what these guys tell you? And I said, No. And then the back seat of the car just explodes with <laughs> laughter. And then the one, heard the conversation of the other two tell though on those two guys and tell me about their conversation about Danny Green. And the funny thing is that one of them, Danny's junior year, became Danny was his favorite player by far. And but so the the newcomer to the group asked me if I left got it took any information from my posse and I said no. And that's when the whole back seat exploded and they told me the story about
0: Man, I hope he doesn't offer that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that that was one of my favorite stories, Coach, because I, I feel like that's a story about me for a lot of people because coming out of school, uh. I was not the favorite. I was good at a lot of things but not great at anything, and I kind of grew on some people. So those guys were like, oh, he's, he's not that good. And eventually I kind of grew on them, and then I became a fan favorite because I was the underdog. I feel like everybody started to like me more because I was underdog and they'd expect me to do well. So. Danny,
1: you had two good qualities that stuck to me the first time. You could shoot the ball. There's no question of that. But you were sneaky. You'd <laughs> get a sneaky tip dunk. You'd get a sneaky block shot. People wouldn't realize. I'd say, who, who blocked that shot? And it would be – or they'd say, who got that tip in? And it would be Danny. And he just uh, – uh, the first time I saw him, Harrison, I'm being sincere, I thought this guy's got a chance. And with every game I saw – I saw a little bit more and a little bit more. And uh, freshman year, he didn't play that much. It, uh, uh, the savvy on the defensive end of the court wasn't as much there. And his idea of working as hard wasn't <laughs> as good as mine. And that became closer every year. Uh, but he became a guy that he, I still talk about him. And people, young guys now talk about heat check. And I'd say Danny Green was the ultimate uh, heat check because he made a – three from right to top of the key, and the next time down came one about a step or two back, and the next time game, down is about two or three more steps back. <laughs> and he, But he made all three of them, and he looked over at me, and I said, hey, you're making them. And uh, <laughs> finally came down about four or five feet across the center line and shot it again, and it didn't, it didn't go in. So I said, all right, that's enough. But, uh, I think that was the Asheville
0: game. It was, it was with the seven-foot kid, seven-fours,
1: no, seven-seven.
0: Yeah. Kenny George, um, yeah. you had to, unfortunately, he had had his career short ended. Uh, he had to get a, his foot amputated, I believe. Which, which some sucks. blood disorder, correct. Man, but um, back to the college recruits and the guys uh, making the adjustments in the jump. Danny, uh-huh.
2: I got one after you. Okay. Right, we're, not, we're not done with your history either. Okay. We, uh, <laughs>
0: we, we want to talk about Cole Anthony and how the, the process will affect him of trying to be in the combine and actually be able to get in front of some organizations and teams to show, you know, what he's capable of and what he what he can do, um, I guess, physic, physically, you know, in the, the combine-wise and, and obviously against other players. How does that, How do you think that's going to affect his process? You know,
1: it's scary. There's no question. Cole uh, was going to be sensational. And he tweaked his ankle and then he tweaked his knee and then all of a sudden hurt his knee. So mm-hmm. he misses 11 games. And when he came back, he really wasn't the Cole that we'd had before. And then right at the end of the year, He started playing so much better with the exception of the last game against Syracuse in the tournament. But what he's going to do, Danny, is in the individual workouts, he will blow people away Mm -hmm. because he's so athletic and he works so hard and he's always in such great shape. He won the 12-minute run this year as a freshman. He won the uh, 12-33s as a freshman. He blew everybody away and everything. One day we took him to the football practice field and they did like eight – uh, sprints 400 yard dashes wow. sprints and then four 200s and we had uh, guys total up and missed five and so cole had made his time on every one of those so we ran five more and cole just stayed on the field and ran all those fives as well and won every one of those so he'll blow people away with his conditioning his athleticism his uh Uh, able to make shots around the basket against bigger guys his shot is a little bit funky but it goes in Mm. and uh, so I think that number one he'll blow them away with his conditioning he'll blow them away in his individual workouts and then they've got to get past uh, our season this year and just take those games where he did show that he was Cole Anthony before he got hurt or Later, like at Syracuse, he was off the chart, and then 10 days later, we they turned around and beat us. But it, it, it'll it bother him some, but not as much as it's going to
0: bother some other guys. I, I'll always compare him because uh, another favorite of mine I like Cole's game uh, was Kobe. Kobe just left Kobe White. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very skilled at, athletically, offensive players, and understand the game for a young at a young age. And for those who are tuning in and don't know, um, we get graded. On our defense, each game we get graded in a different thing. So that's when you talk about, you know, Michael being defensive player that game in Georgetown. And we do have to get graded on our times, Harrison, when we run mile, when we run 400s. We have to make sure we make it a certain time in our 33s. Uh, so, and by those, we get plus points, but you know, we will sit out or, you know, by, you know, however it goes with each game, you get some points added up to where you might be able to sit out some running. Uh, so that's how the grading goes. But it graded on, you know, steals, tips, offensive. Defensive mistakes what sins you committed. Uh, so those things, are, you're graded upon each game. And um, it's, it's interesting to say that Michael had not, never won defensive player for the game yeah. until the Georgetown game as a freshman. I don't think I ever won any as a freshman either, but <laughs> it takes a it while, while to adjust to it. It does. Kobe wanted me to call him 6'5". And I
1: said, oh, we, we measured you at six four and a half. He said, Coach, I'm five. I said, We're not measuring your hair. We measured the top of your head. Like Danny right now, you'd be six nine. Exactly. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Exactly. And I said, All right, I, I'll do this. You win the Defensive Player of the Award. This after you win it the second time your freshman year, I'll start calling you six five. And I think it was seven games into his freshman year, he won it the second time. So he was six five because we do grade every player on every possession. And Kobe was he—he he was one of those guys that just had a thirst for getting better, getting better.
2: Uh, Coach, strange. as you uh, as we talked about Danny a little bit earlier, as you as you remember from coaching him, he's a bit modest. So <laughs> if you can please indulge me, and I get I'll,
0: that from Coach Harrison, if you didn't know. <laughs>
2: Well, hopefully, Coach will be a little bit more uh, boastful about this moment in your history. Can you give us your vantage point, Cameron Indoor Stadium, Danny Green <laughs> takes a leap over Greg Paulus?
1: One of the greatest dunks I've ever seen in a game. You know, I'm not one of those guys I could care less about dunk contests. I want to see what you can do in a game. And uh, we, were, we were really good that day, but uh, uh, that sent a lot of people home. And, and it was that, wasn't that was that late in the game, but that sent a lot of people home because uh, it was a fantastic dunk. We were really, really good, and uh, uh, poor Greg Paulus, who's the head coach at Niagara now, <laughs> uh, but uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and did not get out of the
0: way quickly enough. It was definitely <laughs> one of my best plays of my career and probably one of my better games of my career. Um, yeah, you were ball. great had- that night. I was across the board, probably had like eight rebounds and like seven blocks, something crazy like that, which made it I was like, you know, wow. And Harrison, I remember coming, you coming to me after that game, like you might, you know, and I think we played them the year after. You know, you know, you always had a, a special pretty good game against these guys. Yeah. You know, we're looking for you to step up. We might need you to see what you got this game, see if this might be your game to you know, step up yeah, and I, I and thought get you played play
1: great. I thought you played great against them. Gosh, almost every game. And and Harrison Danny had savvy, too, because his freshman year, you know, it wasn't what he wanted, wasn't what I wanted, but you could see that there was some promise there. You could see that there's potential and that I thought he would keep working, and he did. And as a sophomore and junior, he was sensational for us and came off the bench. And then the summer before his uh, senior year, I decided our team would be stronger with him starting. And so I told him, I called him in, early, maybe even before practice started, Danny was the first North Carolina player to do the dancing to jump. (laughs) You know, went the jump around, Danny was the first guy Mm -hmm. to do The crowd would go crazy. So I called Danny in and I said, I've got the question for you, and I think I know the answer, but I've made up my mind that you deserve it. I think it's better for our team if I start you. But if I start you, you don't get to do all that dancing over there. So you get to choose. Do you want to be a dancer or do you want to be a starter? And he looked at me and very politely said, Coach, thank you very much, but I think I'd rather start. <laughs> so, uh, the other thing, uh, Harrison, I'll tell you is that in the semifinals at the Final Four, Danny hurt, um, what was it, your hip or something, my Danny? My oblique muscle. I strained my oblique. I do remember this now. Yeah. I strained my yeah. oblique. And I was worried to death because I didn't know if Danny was going to be able to play uh, on Monday night against Michigan State. The Sunday between the games, uh, we had practice, and Danny did almost nothing. And I thought, this is crazy because we were the first team in NCAA history to be a unanimous number one choice by the Associated Press. So we had that pressure on us all year long and stood up to it, basically. I mean, we were really good. And uh, – but Danny uh, uh, did play in a national championship game, uh, didn't have the games that he had been having down the stretch because he was playing hurt. Uh, but I was scared to death that we were going to have to play Michigan State without
0: Danny, and
1: uh, I didn't think our chances were nearly as good without him.
0: I, I do remember that. I almost forgot. I strained it throwing a, like a cross-body pass in the Villanova game. Mm-hmm. I forget what I did, I threw it, and I remember my oblique. And you don't realize how much you use that until – you try to laugh or try to use the bathroom or sleep and you're like, oh, you can't barely move. So mm-hmm. I was, I was nervous too. That I wasn't able to play, but I was lucky enough. Skate uh, was able to fix me up, help me get prepared, got some good rest and some treatment. And I was able to play, you know, the minutes that I played against Miss skate, luckily um, everybody played amazing. So we, I didn't have to do as big of a part um, mm-hmm. as needed. And we, we had a hell of a game and it ended off this season. Yeah. Hell of a great note. Um, but we're going to wrap this up, Harrison, if we can, man. We're going to keep Coach right. too long. Ask your last question. And,
2: I, got, yeah. I got, I got, I like, got, <laughs> okay, I got one. I like. Okay, fine. Since I got coach here, I'm going to ask this one. So, coach, you've seen Danny show a wealth of perseverance through the entirety of his career. He has exuded at UNC. Can you take us inside that phone call that you had with Greg Popovich? when pop wanted to know more about danny because obviously danny had his trials and tribulations Mm -hmm. in san antonio in order to crack if it was if it's not for san antonio who knows if danny's here right now and if maybe it's your phone call propelled that situation for him in san antonio can you take us inside those details
1: well danny's toughness and i think it is intelligence was the two most important things because and 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 i always deal Straight forth, our players but so he was with uh, san antonio on a 10 day and so i called pop at the end of the 10 day and said what do you think and uh, his, his statement was coach and he, he calls me roy we've been good friends for a long time and he said danny acted like he was doing us a favor <laughs> and i said i didn't like that and uh, so we're going to let him go and uh, So, Pop and I, think, Danny, you may help me remember, I think we took turns calling Danny and blessing him out. Pop may have used a little stronger language than I did, but uh, I'm not so sure because I blasted him pretty doggone hard. And and I asked Pop, I said, uh, uh, how about giving him one more chance? And he did, and Danny took
0: advantage of it. Is that the way you remember it, Danny? I I do. Um, It it was – very brief the first time around the second time around because the biggest thing at with school with you guys at Carolina, um, you guys always reiterated sense of urgency, sense of urgency. That was my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And I think when I got to San Antonio, that was kind of the thing also with pop. They wanted more sense of urgency and professionalism and I was still learning the system and not understanding where I was going, what I was doing at the time. I was thinking I was thinking too much Mm -hmm. um, and trying to make sure I did it right before I actually just was running around. but yes, and then I also think you know, Pop gave me a second chance, and then RC came to me and he was like, you know, we we need you to not be too cool. You know, obviously he thought too cool. Where I wore my hat, I was from New York. The way I was just trying to be the the cool guy around of walking on around the organization. Um, so Pop let me know he gave me a straight up answer. But I I also think he knew also from that phone call of how to get the best out of me and press my buttons um you know he figured out that I probably played better when I was mad and I don't know if he got that from you or not (laughs) but I think (laughs) I think he understood after a couple phone calls and after watching me and how to you know get the best out of me by you know get a a rise out of me by you know pushing certain things or saying certain things to me and from there on and obviously it wasn't the best way for me I didn't like it um (laughs) you know him attacking me or making me mad all the time but he knew the the ways to get the best out of me and how to perform – you know, have me perform at my best by getting me angry, uh, which well, is hard to do. That is,
1: I think one thing, too, Danny, is because I did have faith in you. I thought you were good enough, and I told Pop that. And he said, I want to believe that, too, but he's got to show me that. And I think when I called you and jumped on you and then Pop brought you in, because I I didn't give him any secrets or anything. I said, Pop, he's good enough. I've seen enough of these guys. He's good enough. He can help you, I said, but he does a lot of little things too, not just the jump shot, not just the three-point shot. And I think that when you came back the second time, all those little things that I'd appreciated all those years, you may not have done that first time with Pop. And the second time you did, it was the extra effort to chase somebody down from behind. It was the extra effort to get to the offensive backboard. It was the extra effort to save a loose ball and not just – you know, I'm glad you used the terminology because I'll use it all the time because I say I hate cool. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Danny was a little cool at some times. And I think that Pop saw the work ethic and saw those little things. And you got to give two people credit. Danny credit for changing. And you got to give Pop credit for not only giving him a second chance but seeing the way that Danny changed as well. I was just involved, but that, uh, that I don't get any of the credit because those two guys are <laughs> the ones
0: that made it happen. Oh, I appreciate the phone call, coach. Uh, it definitely helped change my career a lot. It helped me get an opportunity. And he said, Who knows what would have happened if I never got that, that chance, at opportunity. Um, you but too, really appreciate you know. having hey, you on. Hey, coach, I, I have Dad. a good
2: jumper too if you want to make some calls. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think his <laughs>
0: ability's up. His
1: ability's up, coach. Um, well, Danny, let me t- say, Danny, I trusted you. I'm looking at Harrison. I don't know if he can hard me.